Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome back to another episode. This will be my first one on one of the sports I love the absolute most, um, the 2023 college basketball preview. Um, I'm going to basically <laughs> sound so bad. Um, I'm going to go over ESPN's last way too early power rankings, um, go over the top 10, and then some other um, teams that I found further down the list that are usually either higher up or I think are going to be better than the ranking that they got. Um, go over like the odds that the sports books have for the top 25 um, best bets, I guess you could call them, to win the uh, national championship. Um, I'll tell you my picks to win each conference in the regular season. Obviously, the tournament is ridiculous. Um, some teams I like to watch for in those conferences as well. And then um, go over my picks to win the national championship this season. So we'll start with the ESPN's way too early power rankings, which have been coming out since the tournament ended last year. Um, this was what they said was their last edition, so I figured perfect time to make this episode. Um, number one in the power rankings is North Carolina Tar Heels. The Tar Heels ended last season going 17-4 and in the last 21 games. Four of their five starters remain on the roster. The only departing piece, Brady Manick, has a relatively close replacement piece in Northwestern transfer Pete Nance, who averaged 14.6 points per game last season and shot 45% from three. Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, and Caleb Love will be the key bits to the offense, and they have defensive ace Leaky Black returning, taking up the fifth and final spot in the starting rotation alongside the new transfer Nance. Uh, number two, we had the Gonzaga Bulldogs, which I, I just call them the Zags, so beats me if that's an actual name. That's just what ESPN says. Uh <laughs> Gonzaga has won 28 or more games in 10 straight seasons and taken a one seed into the March Madness tournament in each of the last three seasons. Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, and Rustier Bolton returned to the starting lineup for the Zags. Southern Conference Player of the Year Malachi Smith transferring in from Chattanooga this year after averaging 19.9 points per game last season. At point guard, Gonzaga has three options to start, all three being former five-star recruits out of high school, with Nolan Hickman seeming the most likely option to replace Andrew Nemhard. Uh, Hickman averaging 5.5 points per game last season with around 17.2 minutes played per game. He did only shoot 44% from the field and 31% from three, which is much lower sharpshooting numbers than Nemhard had. Um, Chet Holmgren I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Chet Holmgren will also be hard to replace without another standout recruit taking the place um, in the starting lineup for him. Number three, we got the Houston Cougars. In the last two seasons, Houston has 60 wins, two lead eight appearances, and one final four run. And ESPN seems to think that this could be Coach Kelvin Sampson's best team he's had to date. The 2-3 punch of Marcus Sasser and Truman Mark will return healthy this season. Sasser is expected to be a preseason All-American. Sasser averaged 17.7 points per game before going down with a foot injury last season after 12 games. Mark himself was an integral piece off the bench before he suffered a shoulder injury, which either limited his minutes throughout the rest of the season or completely kept him out of games. Um, these two injuries forced Jamal Shedd to step up as a high-level playmaker and distributor, which he did, and now he gets to play the one. 
to the before-mentioned 2-3 punch of Sasser and Mark. The Cougars also landed ESPN's 10th-ranked recruit, I'm going to mess his name up, Jarris Walker, to play at the four spot. Coming in at 6'7", 220 pounds, he would be versatile enough to play a big two down to a small five in the lineup depending on how the team wanted to play. At number four, we have the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky is coming off the last two seasons where they finished 9-16 and in the 2020 and 2021 season. Um, then they earned a two seed in the tournament last season only to be upset in the first round by everybody's favorite, St. Peter's. Oscar Shibway returns at center after 28 double-doubles last season, averaging 17.4 points and 15.1 rebounds per game last season with point guard Savir Wheeler, if I'm saying that right. Shavir, Safir, uh, Wheeler returning and an expected breakout season from forward Jacob Toppin um, being expected by the Wildcat faithful to fill in the two, three spots in the starting rotation. Kentucky has two five-star recruits in Kaysen Wallace and Chris Livingston expected to beat out any of the veterans on the roster. Number five, we have, wow, I can't even speak, the Duke Blue Devils. For the first time in 42 years, Duke won't have Coach K patrolling the sidelines at Cameron Indoor during their home games this season. New coach John Shire, Shire, I'm gonna say it's Shire, comes in control with the top recruiting class in the country. Uh, Jeremy Roach returns at point guard for the Blue Devils. Everyone else in the starting five is a new face of the program, with the top two recruits in the country, Derek Lively at center, and Dari. Daria Daria Whitehead at shooting guard and the seventh ranked recruit Kyle Filipowski taking the four spot. Illinois transfer Jacob Grandison is expected to take the three spot at the middle of the lineup after averaging 9.6 points per game on 45% shooting from the field and 41% from three for the Fighting Illini. Number six in this power rankings we have the Kansas Jayhawks. Last season's Kansas team was loaded with experienced players and this season will be about the complete opposite after losing five of the seven players that saw more than five minutes in the title game in April. Christian Brown and Oche Agbaji left for the NBA draft, so Jalen Wilson will be a go-to player after averaging 12 points and 9.7 rebounds per game in the tournament for the Jayhawks. Dewan Harris Jr. Dejuan, Dewan Harris Jr. returns as a backcourt starter, likely the point guard, with Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCuller taking the three spot as one of the best two-way players in the Big 12 last season. The last two spots in the starting lineup are likely to be filled by Grady Dick, the 14th-ranked recruit at shooting guard, and Ernest Uda, the 23rd-ranked recruit playing center. Whew, that was rough. The Creighton Blue Jays come in at number seven on this list. Um, I don't really have faith in a team that was ninth in the Big East in terms of offensive efficiency last season, but they do add one of the best NBA prospects from the transfer portal to the team in the form of Baylor Shearman Shire- from South Dakota State. He joins the team with Ryan Nemhard, who had a great freshman season at point guard with 11.3 points per game, and uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner, a 7-1 center who averaged 13.1 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, and 2.6 blocks last season. Baylor Bears come in at number 8. The Bears have had two straight one seeds in the March Madness Tournament, Excuse me, which would have been three had the 2020 edition not been canceled due to COVID-19. Excuse me again, goodness me. Um, this team is said to look more similar to the 2021 championship team with the elite perimeter players, versatile forwards, and depth in the front court that led them to the title. 
Adam Flager will take over at the point guard spot after playing the supporting role for the last couple of seasons, averaging 13.8 points per game last season in particular. Um, Flager will be flanked in the backcourt by Cavante George, the sixth-ranked recruit in the country, and will have LJ Cryer at the three spot after he averaged 13.5 points a game last season before missing the second half of the year with a foot injury. Jalen Bridges transfers in from West Virginia to play the four spot. He didn't light the world up as a Mountaineer with only 8.4 points per game, but he has entered or has earned positive reviews from the coaching staff early on in his time at Baylor. Number nine, we have the Arkansas Razorbacks. The only two returning players from the Razorbacks are Devontae Davis and the sparingly used Kamani Johnson, neither of which are expected to start for the team this year. Coach Eric Musselman nailed the transfer portal and added the second-ranked recruiting class in the country, the mixture of which will make up most of the players in the lineup at all times throughout the season. Anthony Black, the 15th-ranked recruit at point guard. Nick Smith, the third-ranked recruit at shooting guard. Ricky Council, the fourth, 12 points per game coming in from Wichita State at small forward. Jordan Walsh, the 11th-ranked recruit at power forward. And Trevin Brazil, 6.6 points per game from Missouri at center will appear to be the likely starting five for the Razorbacks. That was an absolute mouthful, and I'm shocked I didn't stutter through it. Last team in the top ten of these way-too-early power rankings is the UCLA Bruins. The Bruins had high expectations last season, starting out in the top five in preseason polls before a month-long COVID pause on the team happened in the middle of the season, and injuries ravaged the lineup throughout the rest of the year before losing to North Carolina in the Sweet 16. Tiger Campbell and Jamie Jacquez, if I'm saying his name right, um, returned to the lineup at point guard and power forward respectively, and maybe the two best players at their position in the country, Jacquez, Jacquez, man, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> earning preseason All-American honors. The fifth-ranked recruit in the country, Amari Bailey, will hold down the two-spot alongside Campbell, the 16th-ranked recruit, Adam Bona, starting at the five-spot for the Bruins. Um, yeah. Jalen Clark will have high expectations after filling in the starting lineup for five games in late February and averaging 14.8 points a game, 6.4 rebounds as well in that time. Some other key teams that are further down the order, um, whether I thought they were key or like this, what happened over the offseason was something I'd be interested to watch. Um, at number 12, there was the Villanova Wildcats. Jay Wright suddenly decided to step down after last season, meaning assistant coach Kyle Neptune takes over the reins for the Wildcats program with key pieces Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels gone, running out of eligibility. Um, Cameron Whitmore, ranked 21st in this recruiting class, will start at the four spot for Villanova, with another recruit in Mark Armstrong expected to outplay his 61st overall ranking in the recruiting class at Villanova playing the point guard's position. Last season starters of Caleb Daniels, shooting guard, Brandon Slater, small forward, and Eric Dixon at center all returned to the roster from last year's team to help the Young Bucks fill out the lineup. A key piece for the Wildcats, all Big East performer Justin Moore suffered a torn Achilles in the Elite Eight last season. Um, Nova will be hoping that he can return sooner, sooner rather than later. My guess would be probably the start of the NCAA tournament in March, if I had to guess. Uh, Tennessee Volunteers at number 13. The Vols looked like a legitimate Final Four threat at the end of the regular season last year, winning 15 of their last 17 games, including the SEC tournament, before falling in the second round of the NCAA tournament in an upset to 11-seed Michigan. 
Defense was the name of the game for Rick Barnes' team last season, and this year's team won't have Kennedy Chandler running things on the perimeter. Zakai Ziegler, um, the spark off the bench at both ends of the floor last season, looks like a good replacement on paper with all SEC guard Santiago Vescovi filling out the backcourt alongside him. Josiah Jordan-James and Oliver Enkem... Wow, that's a name I'm not going to be able to say right. Enkemhua? I'm hoping that's right. Enkemhua. <laughs> will also return to the front court spots with 13th ranked recruit Julian Phillips taking the middle of the lineup at the three spots, three spot as an X factor with his length and skill standing out. The Alabama Crimson tied at number 20 in this poll. If this was a football poll, there'd be a major problem with football. Uh, Alabama was one of the most hot and cold teams in the country last season, notching wins over Gonzaga, Houston, Baylor, Tennessee, and Arkansas in the regular season, while also losing 14 games overall, including on the road to Missouri and Georgia. Four of the starting five are expected to be new faces, with point guard Mark Sears transferring from Ohio with just under 20 points a game, Jaden Bradley at shooting guard, 19th ranked recruit in the country, Dominic Welch transferring from St. Bonaventure, 12.3 points per game there, and Brandon Miller at power forward, who is the ninth overall recruit in the country. The only familiar face returning is center Charles Bediaco. I'm saying that right, Bediaco. I, I hate that I'm butchering this many names, but um, he averaged uh, 6.7 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 1.5 blocks per game last season for the Crimson Tide. Last but not least, the Illinois Fighting Illini ranked at number 24 of 25 teams in this poll. The Fighting Illini lost almost every key piece from recent season's successful teams. Kofi Coburn, Alfonso Plummer, Trent Frazier, and Jacob Grandison all gone from the roster. To replace them, though, Coach Brad Underwood has brought in three ESPN 100 recruits, including potential starters Sky Clark and Ty Rogers, along with transfers Terrence Shannon Jr. from Texas Tech with 10.4 points per game, and Matthew Mayer from Baylor with 9.8 points per game. I'm really excited to see what Mayer can do for the fighting line because he stuck out to me at Baylor. Sorry again for my pause, but uh, really interested to see what Mayer can do for the fighting line. Coleman Hawkins averaged 14.3 points and 9.3 rebounds, while Coburn was suspended last season and is expected to start this season. RJ Melendez is also earmarked for a breakout campaign, expected to start at the two spot. So that was my looking over of the top 25 in the power rankings. Um, the odds to win the national championship, the top 25 odds from FanDuel Sportsbook. Gonzaga and Houston are listed as the betting favorites jointly at plus 850 odds. Then you got North Carolina plus 1,000, Kentucky behind them at plus 1,200, Kansas and Duke sitting on plus 1,400, UCLA plus 1,500. Arkansas and Baylor plus 1,700. These odds are kind of hurting my head looking at right now. <laughs> Arizona is behind those two, plus 2,000. Creighton is plus 2,500. Texas, Tennessee, and Michigan all ranked the same at plus 3,500. Indiana and Villanova plus 4,000. Texas Tech, Auburn, and Alabama plus 4,500. TCU plus 4,800. Shocking to me. Um, Oregon and Purdue plus 5,000. Uh, Michigan State and Florida plus 5,500, and last but not least, Virginia and San Diego State at plus 6,000. Initially looking over this list, um, I'm shocked that Gonzaga is tied for the top spot when they choke every March. That's my favorite running joke. They choke every March. North Carolina being ranked second after going to the championship game and keeping most of its pieces uh, second. 
Kentucky after choking in round one, losing to St. Peter's, is the third highest odds. Well, fourth if you want to say the first two, the fourth highest team. Um, another one that stuck out to me when I was just reading it, Creighton being above Tennessee. Um, Michigan having the same odds as Tennessee is also ridiculous. Um, they weren't even mentioned in the top 25, period, were the Michigan Wolverines. Indiana and Villanova having the same odds, another crazy one to me. Um, Auburn being as low down as they are, they're tied for the fifth longest odds um, at plus 4,500 after Bruce Pearl had the team playing well enough to earn a major extension last year with the Tigers. Um, TCU even being on this list is crazy to me, especially ahead of Purdue and Michigan State. And Virginia being tied for the 25th longest odds is crazy as well. Oh, my picks to win each conference in the regular season now, so not the conference tournaments, just the regular seasons. Okay, okay. Oh, North Carolina Tar Heels in the ACC for me. I think the continuity and experience will help the Tar Heels start strong and play consistently throughout this season, more so than the rest of the conference. Other teams that I like... Um, Duke in their first season without Coach K, but still bringing a stellar recruiting class in, and always keep an eye out for Virginia to be sneaky in contention after a couple seasons out of the limelight since winning their national title. In the Big Ten, I picked the Purdue Boilermakers. I really think this conference is wide open, but uh, Purdue has the most consistent team in recent seasons within the Big Ten, so when in doubt, I'll go with Old Reliable and West Lafayette. Um, other teams I really like... Um, like, is nobody a good answer? Uh, I could honestly see all but four teams um, winning the conference this season with those four being Maryland, Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska. The, you know, the classic basketball schools. Um, but having to pick a team or two, I would say to watch out for the Michigan schools. Michigan State is always going to be steadied by Tom Izzo's experience and leadership, and Michigan has either been really good or really bad with Jawan Howard at the helm. Even doing both last season, finishing 8th in the conference in the regular season, but making a deep run in the tournament come March and April with, you know, March Madness tournament. In the Big 12, I said the Baylor Bears. If this team is more like the championship team of 2021 like it is um, expected to be, I'll take the Bears to go straight to the Elite 8 or Final 4 part of the tournament come March. Um, the length and defensive prowess being too much for most of the teams to handle against Baylor. Some other teams I like in this conference. Well, this is one of my favorite conferences to watch for basketball because of the diversity and styles and the talent that plays here. But I'll be watching Kansas to see how they go from experience to youth in their starting lineup, but also watching Texas. Um, Chris Beard didn't hit the transfer portal as hard as he did before last season, but he did bring in Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State, a guy that looked like he was one of the best freshman point guards in the country last season. In the Big East, I guess I'm going with the Creighton Blue Jays. I know I said in the preview earlier I don't trust this pick, but this conference is full of uncertainty, and Creighton has the most returning talent and biggest addition to last season's team, so I'll take them to get the job done this year. Some other teams I like would be Villanova, Providence, UConn, and Seton Hall. All of these being teams that we usually have to wait until a few weeks into the season to see what they're made of. Maybe not Villanova, but just with the new coach this season. Um, who I like from that group to have like to be the team from the conference I would watch this season I'd say the Providence Friars uh, Pac-12 I say the UCLA Bruins I think having a consistent reliable point guard at the helm of the team is key for any team 
in every game. And the Bruins have that with Tiger Campbell, not to mention Jacquez, if I'm saying his name right, returning to help guide the front court. Other teams I like in this one, um, Arizona, namely because they had multiple draft picks leave and reloaded with a top recruiting class. Um, I'm interested to see how they get on there. Um, but don't forget about Dana Altman and the Ducks up in Eugene. After an off year where they finished sixth in the conference in the regular season, Altman retooled his team and is a pick for some to be in the initial top 25 poll. In the SEC, the last major conference I will have on here, I picked the Arkansas Razorbacks. The talent brought in between transfers and recruits is going to be a lot for other teams to match, especially when the production won't be known with a completely fresh lineup until a handful of games into the season. Some other teams I like, um, Kentucky, obviously, bringing back Sheepway and having another season for Jacob Toppin to produce will make it easy for them to be contenders, but Tennessee would be another one um, to watch for me with reliable parts at 1-2 and 4-5 with the X-Factor of Julian Phillips at the middle. My three picks um, to win the national championship game, North Carolina Tar Heels, their betting line being plus 1,000. How can you pick against a team that went to the national title game, returning four of their five starters and replacing the one they lost with someone just as good in every facet of the game? Um, I, I can't pick against them. I like the Tar Heels as long as they stay healthy. Arkansas Razorbacks, their line being plus 1,700. Um, new talent through recruiting and proven talent coming through the transfer portal spells big boom for the Razorbacks this season. Even if the team doesn't get it right away, or gel together with their chemistry. They play in a conference that's not known for basketball and could bounce back quick. Even if the struggles were bad at the beginning of the year, they could clinch a tournament berth by winning the conference tournament at the end of the season. My third and final pick with the same odds line of plus 1,700 with the Baylor Bears. It's hard to argue that a team resembling a championship team from 2021 shouldn't be a favorite to win the title again. So I won't argue, and I'll say that they do indeed have a good chance to cut down the nets come next April. Um, that's all I got for this episode, so maybe I'll do these sparingly throughout the year. Maybe I won't. I don't know. kind of depends on what goes on. But uh, yeah, if nothing else happens that I talk about, um, I'll do a March Madness preview and kind of go over my picks from this episode. But until then, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.